0: Today's scripture reading is from Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a rope, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all of these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when 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 this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, who killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god the lost and found
1: at least twice every school year i find myself scouring our elementary school's lost and found area looking for jackets and sweatshirts or water bottles that have found themselves missing from my child's possession sometimes we find the misplaced item and other times Where that jacket landed remains a mystery to us. Yet every time I look over at that lost and found area, I am amazed at how many items go regularly missing. Those shelves and the hangers, they are always full. And many items will remain there for weeks on end even as children have to pass by this area on their way in and out of school and on their way to and from the cafeteria every single day. And it makes me wonder, does anybody care to search for the items that have gone lost? Are the missing items even missed? And I wonder, is there a parent or a guardian in the mix questioning or instructing the child to go, to seek, to find, and to bring home. The lost and found is indeed mysterious in some ways. Now, the parable of the prodigal son that we have been exploring for the past couple of weeks is a story about mysteries, but it's also a story about the tangible realities about the lost and the found about being wayward and then finding our way home and being restored. Pastor Rob has explained that the word prodigal actually means extravagantly wasteful. And we talked about how the younger son in this passage was extravagantly wasteful with his father's blessings and with the relationships in his own life. And last week, we talked about the extravagance of the father and how that was evident in the way that the father welcomed home with open arms the son who was lost but is now found. And today, we will be talking about the extravagant self-righteousness of the third character in this parable, the elder son. Meaning, we'll be exploring the ways that the elder son believed that through his own actions and loyalty and works and deeds that he has been made right and worthy before the Father. So I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles now to Luke chapter 15, and we'll begin in verse 25 as we read this passage together. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the elder son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But the elder son answers his father, listen. Listen. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life he was lost and has been found this is the word of god for us the people of god now i imagine when you read this story when you study this parable that it's easier in some ways to relate to the younger son than it is to the elder son and while the younger son has a messier story in some ways, he was wayward, he went off, um, he was wasteful, he did some bad things, the story also has a happy ending. The son realized uh, the error of his ways, and he comes back begging for forgiveness. And the father doesn't even make him explain himself or reconcile in any way. The father just welcomes him home with open arms and throws him a lavish party. Who wouldn't want to be the younger son in this story? But we aren't going to focus much on him today. Rather, my desire for us is that we absorb some lessons, some hope even, as we see ourself in the elder son in his actions, and in God's response and love towards him. Now, the extravagance of the elder son, like I said, is one of self-righteousness. In the passage we just read, we see that the elder son believed that it was through his own loyalty, his hard work, him, uh, quote-unquote, slaving away for his father, The elder son believed that it was that that made him worthy of love and belonging and acceptance. And the truth is, is that we have likely been both children in this parable at one time or another. I imagine that there are times in your life where you have squandered away the gifts and the blessings of the father. And I also imagine that there have been times when you have judged a brother or sister believing that they are somehow unworthy of God's perfect love. But the question we are wrestling with today is what can we learn about God and ourselves as we shine a light on the elder son in this passage? Now, in this parable, we are told that the father, quote, divided his very life between his son's. That's the literal translation of the passage, that the father divided his life. And so the first thing that I think we can learn is that the father is concerned with equity. The father was extravagantly generous. Everything that he had was and is equitably distributed to his children. But equity, of course, doesn't mean equality. Equally distributed would mean that each of the son received the same quantity of the father's gift or blessing. Equitably, however, means that each son receives God's fair share determined by God, which results in the same quality of the father's gift, which results in the same quality of the father's life being distributed. So what is the father's gift that he will be given equitably to his children? Well, I think that the father's gift is at least three things, and that is God's perfect love, the father's perfect love. I think that the gift is this unmerited, undeserved grace that the father is willing to extend with abandon. And I think that this gift is also this belief in radical belongingness, that The children, both sons, belonged to the father and the family, and that the father would stop at nothing to let them know that they both belong and are loved perfectly by the father. And we see that God will pour out those gifts extravagantly until we are able to see them for what they are and receive them accordingly. See, the older son was worried about equality, did get the same exact amount of the gift or the blessing but the father in this passage was worried about something far more important equity and there is nothing like unmerited grace that undeserved gift to prick the anger of our self-righteous tendencies as we can see evidenced in how the older son responds to the father's gift So I wonder, when have you been the elder son? When have you harbored anger or resentment due to God's lavish blessings on a brother or sister? God is concerned with equity. The second thing I think we can learn from this passage is that the older son is concerned about legalism where the father is a living example of the good news of the gospel that triumphs over legalistic thoughts and patterns and behaviors. The elder brother demonstrates that a person committed to legalism is likely to become angry and choose to respond in kind to whatever the perceived offense might be. In this case, the elder brother chooses not to attend the banquet. He chooses to distance himself from it. And so the elder brother demonstrates the human tendency, the self-righteous tendency to respond in kind. But the father in this passage shows us how to respond as Christ, extending unmerited grace and welcome. And so I wonder, when you are offended or hurt, or you perceive that someone is receiving something that they um, have not earned or are not worthy of, do you find yourself more likely to respond in kind or to respond as Christ? And the third thing I think we can learn from this passage is that the elder son is concerned about rights. But the father in this passage is concerned about right relationship The elder son wants to focus on entitlements and behaviors and mistakes and consequences. But the father in this passage is focused on rights and restored relationships. The father sees that that is the bigger win. And in fact, this is the only thing we see the father concerned about in this passage. Right and restored relationships. The father is concerned about right relationship with self, with others, and with family. Does the younger son know his identity as part of the family? Does the other, does the younger son know that he is loved beyond measure? Does the older son know that everything that the father has has already been given to him and it's his for the taking? Do they know that they belong to the father and to one another? Do you know where your identity is found? And do you know to whom you belong? Now, when I lose an earring backing, that tiny little thing that holds the earring in place, I will often spend more time than I probably should looking around on the floor, crawling around, wondering where that piece bounced off because I'm looking for that tiny little piece that I need to fasten to my earring to make sure That I don't lose the earring. Now let's assume for a second that earrings have feelings. And of course they don't, but just go with me here. If earrings did have feelings, it would be a strange, strange thing that when I did find this backing, whether it be the same day or a week later, that the earring itself then decides to reject the backing once it's found. It would be strange for the earring to turn away a piece of itself, an essential piece at that, simply because it got lost for a little while. Maybe it's a little dusty. Perhaps it's banged up a bit. It would be strange to reject a piece of oneself. And yet that is essentially what we're seeing in this passage. The elder brother is rejecting his younger brother. He's rejecting his father. He's rejecting his identity. He's rejecting his belongingness. And we see that the father continues throughout this passage to use familial language. He's calling him son. He's he's saying your brother. He's trying to draw the sons closer to one another. We see that the younger son, in realizing what he has lost and came back to, he's addressing the father as father. But we don't see that with the elder son. We see that the elder son puts distance in the relationship. He refuses to use familial language at all. He says, that son of yours. And he doesn't address his father as father. He says, listen. And he does this even as the father continues to remind the elder son that all that the father has has already been given to him. Do you know that you are loved perfectly by a perfect God? Do you know that God will extend extravagant and unmerited grace to you and to every other human being that has been created in God's image Do you know that there is nothing that you could ever do to diminish God's perfect love for you, to diminish the fact that God wants you to know who you are and who you belong to? And do you know that God indeed did create you to belong to God and to one another, and that we cannot escape that reality? The elder son serves as a cautionary tale for us and one that I think we can all relate to at one time or another. When we start believing that it's through our own merit, through our own good works, through our own faithfulness and our own deeds, through the longevity of our faith, when we start believing that it's through those things that we are somehow made worthy before God that make us lovable and acceptable in God's sight, rather than the righteousness of the Son, when we start believing that it's our self-righteousness that makes us in good standing, this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal God, serves as a reminder for us, one that shines light on God's desire for equity, one that will remind us That God will and does extend unmerited, undeserved grace and blessings. And it's a parable that reminds us of God's hope. God's hope that all of us find our way back to the Father and to one another. We don't know whether the elder son in this parable uh, decides to attend the banquet and the party. Scripture is silent on that matter. What we do know is if the elder son does decide to make an appearance and show up at the party that is being thrown for his brother, that God will undoubtedly be there welcoming him with open arms as well. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, God, we thank you for your perfect love. God, we thank you for the grace that you give us, Lord, this undeserved gift that is free for the taking, for us and for all of our brothers and sisters, near and far. God, we can't even begin to comprehend the mysteries and the depths of your perfect love. But we believe, Lord, that it's true. Help us, God, to understand how you see us, Help us to see ourselves and our brothers and sisters the same way that you see them. And help us, Lord, to seek and to find everything that is lost, including ourselves, as we seek to be in right relationship, Lord, with you and with those around us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.